welcome to Pardon the Confusion. I'm your host this week, David Arnold. With me tonight is my father, Paul Arnold, and uh, our good friend, Ernest Watts. Um, all right, we're going to talk sports because it's coming back. We're getting our sports back slowly but surely. Uh, you know, you guys know I'm a huge soccer fan, but I'll stay away from the soccer for now. Uh, we have more important things going on in America uh, dealing with sports. And first off, guys, not to be too controversial, but I really do want to touch on the Roger Goodell statement, um, focusing on the protests that, that he came out and released this past week, kind of in a way backtracking from the NFL stance over the past few years when it comes to how they reacted or didn't react um, to things such as the Colin Kaepernick protest, um, et cetera, et cetera, and, and the various players who have been involved and practically blackballed from the league. Um, Goodell making a generic PR statement in a lot of ways, but I'm curious to hear guys' thoughts. Uh, Dad, would you like to take the first swing at this? Yeah, uh, it's a high inside pitch, but I'll take it. Um <laughs> Roger Goodell uh, finally made a statement, and I think I saw somebody's hand behind his head, sort of like a puppet, for him to say the right things. Finally, finally in America, we're starting to see that's not an either-or situation. You can be protesting for black lives and against police brutality and still love this country. You can do both. Um, you can have two problems at the same time. We don't have to be in opposite camps um, to recognize that we have a problem. Uh, I think we're so much on the defense in this country that, boy, if somebody protests, we respond, double back, and you know, call them all sorts of names. And I'm so glad to finally see NFL realizes, hey, you, know, you may not totally understand what they're trying to say, and that's probably the point, that white males don't totally understand what a black male has to go through in this country. It's a PR move. They saw what the NBA did as a PR move. Does Kaepernick have a job? No. Nope. Does Eric Reed have a job? I and mean, it's easy to say that first week in June when your real games don't start, hopefully, until the first week of September. It's, it's a PR. There's no meat before. I mean, you, you waited. You kept Kaepernick from – you kept a black ball for three years. Now, physically, he, he won't be able to play. Uh, Eric Reed will probably never see another job, and those are two that we know of. I mean, again, we're a nation that was built on protests. The the Boston Massacre, the Boston Tea Party. I mean, America's, the flag has changed. We've had so many different flags over years, different stripes, different stars, different additions. I mean, the flag is not America. America is a democratic society in which you have the right to exert your opinion nonviolently. And, and it is it is unfortunate. And I think... We're starting to see the lessons learned. You know, finally, three years later, it's maybe three years too late uh, for some people. Uh, but the fact we are starting to see a corner turned uh, on understanding, or, or at least acknowledging that this is acceptable from here on out. The peaceful protesting, the kneeling. You know, other countries don't necessarily always do uh, their national anthem before sporting events. Well, it's a, it's a uniquely, and I, I am hopeful. Because I see companies, uh, companies like the NFL, uh, who are just a big company, putting out these PR statements for the first time. You know, if the big companies put out PR statements uh, in support of something, it, it it rings hollow and it doesn't always sound great. But at the same time, if they're doing it, that means from this point forward, they're putting their 
feet down, you know, on the ground and saying, this is not acceptable from this moment forward. And so in some, in some ways I'm encouraged and I know, I know a lot of it is going to ring hollow. However, the first week of the season, I see, I think we're going to see a lot of people kneel, you know, in front, you know, during the national anthem and we're just going, it's going to be an accepted thing. However, it's going to ring hollow ultimately until they issue some sort of apology to Colin Kaepernick or honor him in some way and say, hey, we, we stole three years of your career. Even if he would have been a backup, he would have been the one of the top backups in the NFL. Two points, David. A, yes, and, and then we're going to move on because I think this has been a very well, fruitful yeah. discussion from three white guys. So. Real, real quick, like, two points. They did settle the lawsuit, which I know you being a lawyer, that's an admission of guilt. They did settle the lawsuit with Kaepernick. And two, Which is probably why, well, also probably why they're not apologizing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And two, I've seen this song and dance before. The Rooney Rule, which was supposed to spur hiring of minorities for coaches. I mean, they, they've trotted this out before. I hate to be the cynic, but I've, that's what happens when you get old. You've seen this enough that right now it's on the front page. Yeah. Come December, it'll be old news, and we'll go back to the way things are. Well, can I tell you, with the Rooney Rule... Uh, you listening to European soccer podcasts. A lot of countries in Europe have instituted their version of the Rooney Rule, and they call it the Rooney Rule. They don't even know why half the time, and they have to explain it on the podcast. Oh, American football actually started it. And it's actually been very successful um, in the countries that's been run through in Europe, uh, European football, uh, because they had a major problem with diversity with their coaches and managers, and they still do. However, it, it is... It was a, a big momentous moment. How successful it's been, who knows? Um, but I hear you, Ernest. I hear you. Uh, Let me make one more comment before we move on. All right, David. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when all this started happening in America after the recent tragic deaths of several Black Americans, I was thinking, oh go, oh no, here we go again. I didn't know how to react. And then what really bothered me was seeing the rioting because I don't want to see rioting. And I really was struggling, like, what does this mean? Is this just, you know, the wrong time, the wrong place? And I started talking to my African-American friends, and they said, you know, this has been going on so long, and in, in, uh, the rioting just confuses the issue, that people can't process the difference between the rioting and the main issue of how black Americans have to live their lives and worry about uh, racial profiling and the way they have to teach their young men how to live their lives. And when I was listening to my friends talk, I realized that my life has been so different as a white male. And I sort of knew that, but not to the extent uh, that I saw. Um, so I'm hoping for days ahead where they, we start to see that America is still the great melting pot. And if we start to look at what the other guy is going through, we won't be so quick to judge them or label them. And we had a very fruitful discussion earlier today, uh, and you're, you nailed it when you say America is still the great melting pot. It's the great experiment for a reason, right, because of our diversity, and, and that's something we have to support and figure out how to, how to make people feel supported, even as minorities. It's something as, as white males we have to do, uh, and we can move forward from that. Now we can talk about fun things, if you guys want. Sports is coming back. Yay. It's June. It's June. We have <laughs> dates set. We finally are getting sports back. Um, however, sports is not coming to all of the cities. You know, mm. And some people are being left out of the sports. For example, if you're a fan of basketball, you're super excited that the NBA is coming back. July 31st is the tentative start date to restart the season. 
Um, and we're going to have 22 teams from the NBA come back to play the rest of the season. However, if you're a fan of crappy basketball teams, such as, oh, I don't know, the Detroit Pistons or the Charlotte Hornets, Hornet, yes. uh, you are kind of disappointed because you're not going to be part of this 22-team format. And we're going to talk about this. The NBA had had to figure out some sort of way to create excitement uh, and bring some of the teams who are not in the playoff picture back to compete for playoff spots. And ultimately, I think they decided, oh, let's let's take the closest teams with the biggest TV market stars, Cough Cough, Zion Williamson, Devin Booker, uh, and figure out a way to get them back to play some more games so they can be on TV. Ernest, what are your thoughts on the 22-team restart that we're going to have come July 31st. And if you want to quickly explain what exactly is going to happen with the restart, do it in a minute and then give me your opinion. Well, for, for starters, they're not going straight to the playoffs. They're going right. to play eight remaining games, which brings up the issue and a big problem I have with it because you've got a team like the, the Wizards, which are six games out of a playoff spot, which means if they lose two games or three games, theoretically they're out. They'd have to play five games with no meaning whatsoever, not in front of a home crowd in an empty arena. Do you think they're going to give a flip if they play? Do you think there's going to be enthusiasm if they're already out and they've got five regular seasons? Why we're playing these eight regular season games is beyond me. If you want to have Zion. 22 games, then then good. 22 game teams and let them play a playoff. Give the top two teams in each division a bye. I, I don't even think you should play divisions because there's no home court advantage. I just see the teams one to 22 and give the top four a bye. We'll let 16 teams play and do it that way. Why were you even doing your visions when you're in one location at Mickey Mouseville? It's <laughs> beyond me. But again, these teams, these, these last few teams, which were brought in these last eight, when they're automatically eliminated with these regular season games, why play? What, what's, do you think Milwaukee's going to play any starters? They've wrapped up the number one seed in the East already. This is, I know. TV if you money. Get, TV if you money. Get, if you want to get Zion on, good. Do a playoff structure. Do like the NHL did. They started with a best of seven playoffs with expanded playoffs. I like that idea. But to play regular season games in front of nobody with about half the teams that will be out of it, and eliminated before they finish their schedule. TV money. This is a waste. TV, TV money. NHL's doing TV money when they're doing playoffs. Yes. Yeah, I, I do have to say, I at least applaud the NBA for being creative and getting things on TV and during the tournament, and I think it's going to create a lot of, of buzz. And you could make the argument that they have to play these last regular season games to get the teams prepped for the for the playoffs, right? Get them back in, into the structure because you don't want the jail's not doing that. Man, the jail's well, not doing that. They're going straight to playoffs. I don't. I don't think the NBA Players Association would approve. And, and I gotta say, the union for the NBA easily the strongest of, of the major sports, right? And, and that's what ultimately came to. And what happens if uh, LeBron gets tested positive? Yeah, that's I mean, gonna, you, that gonna, is gonna be a, be a great. Crazy, crazy, crazy thing. We're gonna, you're going to see so many conspiracy theories if any superstar tests positive for coronavirus at any point in this tournament. Um, I do have to say, though, German soccer, four weeks of, of their playing so far, they've come back and had four weekends, zero positive tests from the players. 
they, but they've their had, division two, David, they've had two teams with division two that have had uh, positive signs. Well, there you go. It, so, so I, there are I, definitely so, risks. I so want to talk Bundelista soccer with you, but we don't have time this week. I know, I know. Dad, Dad, I, I'm sorry. Me and Ernest tend to fill up a lot of hot no, air. No, that's fine. Uh, so just so don't eat, don't eat takeout pizza in Orlando if you're LeBron James, because you know it could be uh, spiked or something. Um, I like this. I know Ernest says, "Why do the extra games?" I'm so desperate to watch TV sports. I watched bowling last night, where they have two minutes to throw as many strikes as they can. But I liked it at least. The, it was the first time I've seen bowlers sweat. I mean, they were throwing it back and forth, back and forth. And then I watched IndyCar racing. Uh, yesterday too, a NASCAR, and I was like, "Oh, this is great! This is great!" And I'm thinking these are third tier sports compared to anything else, and I'm happy with it. Boy, I I'll take any NBA um, sport games right now, even if they are not committed, earnest, and um, yeah, I'm ready for it and bring it on. So I'm okay with I, it. I do think it's gonna be. Especially when they're they're resting Giannis and LeBron for the last few games, like you said, they're definitely obviously going to. There is going to be such a platform for these minimum contract guys who are on contract year, you know, provisions, um, to really ball out on TV, right? There's going to be so many people watching. I think that's going to create a bit of an atmosphere in a way that that you don't really have in the NBA during the dog days. So being on TV like that, you're going to see, you know, like when Isaiah Thomas the second one was just a scrub for the Sacramento Kings. You're going to see someone like that try to pop off for 50, 60 points if they can, uh, you know, and, and that could be a fun thing for social media and whatnot. I, I'm excited. I'm just excited to see sports. I'm let, with me you, throw, let me throw you another problem. Uh, the two teams that get to the finals, the final, if it goes seven games, will not finish to October 12th. The season, yes. the next season starts Christmas day. That's a little over two months recovery. It's going to be hard for a team to be able to play next year. I mean, there's there's going to be a drain. If LeBron does not win this year, I don't think he'll ever win again. Because I, I pretty much, they'll at least get to the, the, the Western Finals. But if they get to 1st of October and playing Western Finals, and a 37-year-old LeBron has to start a season in December 25th yeah. next year, it's it's going to be too much of a drain for him. Well, let's. I I think especially after the last dance, um, plus Kawhi's success last year, I think we're basically going to give a big pass to all the superstars who decide to go the Kawhi route next regular season. Uh, I think there's going to be a lot of a lot of missed games, and it's just going to be the way things are. Uh, although I will say you were right, Ernest, a couple months back when you said um, that you saw the NBA changing their their official calendar to compete more from a December to August uh, range. And I think that's probably what we're going to see from now on, which kind of puts baseball at issue because uh, baseball has a hard enough time not shooting itself in the foot, um, especially when they have the media market to themselves every summer. Uh, they, you think they would be able to get good publicity pretty easily. Not always the case, and not always the case right now because they are currently shooting themselves in the foot. Uh, Dad, you touched on this a little bit um, on the other great podcast that you do. Um, All right, here's oh, the shameless plug. Boys of Summer, Boys of Boys Summer. Boys of Summer, there we go. Boys of Summer, great podcast. My favorite podcast of, of yours. I and Don Henley's too. Yeah, <laughs> there's a <laughs> lot of different references for Boys of Summer, but just that there's three guys in their 50s talking about how great – 
they loved baseball growing up and their hopes and dreams for baseball now. But um, baseball is really at the brink, I think, because they're trying to figure out in the future, in the next year or so, they're going to figure out a new contract. Um, the players are sort of entrenched in their approach. The owners have never been generous. They've always controlled the commissioner in different ways. And right now they're at an impasse. And Tony Clark as the union boss is trying to be as tough as any previous union boss and say, hey, we got to get our money, you know, and get it now. And I, I think that if baseball is the only major sport, this does not come back because of COVID when it looked like they'd be the first one back because they're a summer sport and they could be start a few months late. Uh, I think it's going to be a big hit. And then the way they've treated the minor league teams and the way they want to cut them back and the way they want to do a money grab from the minor league um, sales um, of uniforms and stuff really smacks of a, a league that's losing touch with the idea that baseball is not doing well, even before COVID. And uh, I'm concerned if they skipped a whole year, um, what's going to be like in the future. And so Ernest and I have talked about this before. It's so much needs the guys in the minor leagues who don't make it to the pros to go back to their communities, coach up those American Legion teams, um, take their kids to games and keep the love of the game going. But you just... They just don't get it, and it's just so much money. And some people say it's Scott Boris's fault and the super agent's fault in baseball sort of created this problem as well. So, Ernest, what do you think? Whoa, 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 whoa. It's never the agent's fault. Okay. <laughs> Spoken now, like that, a future boy. Now, now that that's out of the way. Quick Ernest. poll for both of you. Quick, before I go into my diatribe, uh, quick <laughs> poll for both of you. What percent of chance you think we'll see baseball this year? 25. David, you go first. 25. 25. 15%. 15. Well, I was feeling like I was the pessimist at 40. <laughs> Good gracious. Well, the root of this is they did sign an agreement back in spring for prorated salaries up until May 31st. And part of that was the nebulous language that after good faith negotiating, the owners could set the schedule and the payment level. The owners say the more games they play, the more money they will lose without player fans in the stands well you can't have fans in stands in florida and in texas and that may change in the next couple of days texas i mean georgia may join them to extend uh the owners want to go 60 to 50 games the players 114 they want to play a world series up the game seven would be the week before thanksgiving uh, it's millionaires fighting with billionaires in a time with 15% unemployment. That's bad optics. And, and uh, I think 40% chance I, they're so entrenched. The date I've always heard, you know, the July 4th start date has never been the drop dead date. If they don't start by August 1st, it's over. That's the drop. Dead date. I, I see the, the thing that I would love to see is, have like a have a 30 game season and then do a college world series style playoff where where you have a term they need to do something that builds excitement and energy have the players don't want to do that day I, I, I understand they're risking their contract their future contract that if they hurt their uh, they hurt themselves in a short season and injure themselves that will affect their George Springer's the big candidate they bring out yeah. Because he was one of those that his service time was manipulated. He was brought up in May, his rookie year. 
And so he lost a year before he could go to arbitration, and he's a free agent. So there are guys, you know, there, there are arguments that if they go 50 to 60 games, mm-hmm. there are a large percentage of players that will just say, this is not financially worth it, a risk that I choose not to play. And this all, this all stems from the owners for the past 150 years of baseball the owners have controlled and manipulated player salaries to the point where they've just been able to use players. I mean, the, the way the MLB is structured, you hear no salary cap, and you're like, oh, that's so great for the players because the players can get these $350 million contracts. However, they're not even eligible to get a substantial contract until their seventh year in the pros, right? And, and so you're seeing these kids who come from – you know, Latin America, and they're making $40,000 a year, you know, in the minor leagues at $30,000 a year in the minor leagues. And they're not, they're, they're barely able to survive because they've also got to pay for their family back at home and pay for their, their own life. Um, and they make it to the pros. And yes, they're making a bit more. They're making what a couple hundred thousand dollars. Uh, but people then expect them to have more money. And, and then they have to wait six, seven more years. And the average baseball player plays three, four years in the majors if they make it to the majors at all. So you're, you're looking at these players who never get an opportunity to make a substantially higher income in their life. Uh, and that's why you know football players sometimes choose football over baseball oftentimes because the paychecks are larger up front. You see basketball players choose basketball David, over baseball. Which sport? Yes. Do you think people think the players are the greediest? Baseball, football, basketball? It's definitely baseball. And it's the biggest misconception and why the big owners have won for years and years and years. Because they look at it and they say, oh, players get paid all of this money. But they don't get paid anything until they're 30. They have to last in the majors for over six years of their career before they get paid anything. And minor league baseball players who oftentimes spend 10 you know, plus years in the minors just playing, never make more than fifty or sixty thousand dollars a year, and they're really sacrificing their body for peanuts. You know, truly I, for the love of the game. I think there's another factor why people believe that way because they're not seven foot tall, they couldn't have played in the NBA, because they're not three hundred pounds, they couldn't have played in the NFL, because they can't skate, they couldn't have played in the NHL. Baseball players are like average guys, and the majority of people played some type of organized baseball as a child. So I think that feeds into it. But, but David, even though technically they don't have a salary cap, they do have a team salary level. And if they go beyond that, there is a penalty that you pay. That's why Mookie Betts was traded from the Red Sox to the Dodgers, is the Red Sox did not want to pay that penalty going over that team cap. So even though technically, no, they don't have a salary cap like the NBA, the NHL, and NFL, they have a cap that inhibits salaries. And so, so the, the point I was getting at, I think I was trying to get at, is the owners for 150 years have been arguing about paying the players peanuts, peanuts in comparison to the profits they were making. And they've been peanuts, 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 arguing, arguing, arguing. At some point in the 80s, players decided enough was enough. We're, we're taking back our peanuts. You owe us a lot of peanuts over the years. And the owners have fought it tooth and nail to give them peanuts. And you think you hear all these big million dollar contracts. That's just not the case for 95% of players um, in the professional sport. And that's why you see owners even now trying to contract more and take away minor league baseball teams because they want to use that as a bargaining chip to continue play, paying the minor league players peanuts, you know, peanuts, peanuts, peanuts. And so now the major league 
players are like, hey, you're screwing us over for so long. We're not going to lessen your blow financially because you've leveraged money in the future. We're not going to come back just so you're not losing money. You know, we're coming back to make our money because you've screwed us over for so long. And then That's the fan money. gets we're screwed over it. because they're both fighting. It's it's yeah. like, no, who's looking out for the fan? Billionaires, yeah. Well, and, let me tell you, if it's millionaires versus billionaires, you know, uh, billionaires lose. And see, uh, you don't you don't know if they're really losing money because most of the teams own their own regional sports networks. Yeah. So they're able to flip and say losses when they're getting free programming for their networks. The Yes Network, uh, Nesson for the Red Sox, the Brave Sports South. I mean, all of them have their little channels that they own or have a contractual agreement with, so, and the internet. And, and, I mean, there's so much revenue coming in from baseball that it can be manipulated that you don't really know if they're losing money. You know, here's the big – if they're losing money, why aren't they selling the teams? If you owned a business and you were losing money that business and you had no – idea of making a profit in the future you would put the team up for sale the last team for baseball up for sale was the kansas city royals royals and that sold for 1.3 billion dollars and can i say you know we we're talking about peanuts and the owners paying peanuts and i said the average minor league salary was 30 to forty thousand dollars. here's a quote from the athletic the average salary for a minor league baseball player whose contract is handled by major league baseball ranges from six thousand dollars in single a to $9,000 in AA to nearly $15,000 in AAA. And this is from 2018. The average salary for a minor league baseball player in AAA in 2018 was $15,000. $15,000. We're talking less than minimum wage to make a livelihood you know, in the sport. And then they make it to the majors and they get $300,000. But, but after they spent all that time in the minors, and that's if they make it to the majors. Right? If they make it to the majors, they get paid that for the next six years. Right, So $15,000 in AAA. Now, that's AAA. You're so close to the majors, you're making $15,000. Uh, the owners are just really have been so greedy about the minor league system for so long that once players finally make it to the majors, you know they have to make all their money, all their money for their entire livelihood You know, in, in this sport that they've worked on since they were 10 years old mm-hmm. has to come in those six, seven, eight years if they play until they're 35, 36, 37. So, yeah, the, the all, owners are just so greedy, so greedy. All if they go nu- nuclear option and there's no baseball this year and no baseball next year, two years from now, what will baseball look like? Wow. I, I don't know. I think it's going to drop below hockey in some ways because people are going to be disillusioned with it. The thing about baseball is the loyalty factor has what they've capitalized for years. My grandpa took me to a game. My great-grandpa did this. Or my uncle used to play for them. And uh, that's what they've been banging out for years, and they haven't been bringing in the new fans. Somebody told me that the average baseball fan is over 50 years old, and they can't sustain that model forever and ever, and that's what really scares me. And Manfred does not seem to be a great commissioner in a lot of ways. Um, and this is just such a weird year. Like Ernest, if you have, you know, all these things, if they actually did come about this summer and you have to choose between baseball, basketball, or hockey, what are you going to watch? I mean, I want to watch baseball because it's summer. That's what it feels like. I should be watching. I want well, normality again. I don't yeah. want to be watching hockey in the middle of the summer, but I probably will. <laughs> yeah. My hockey team's in the playoffs. so definitely I'll be watching. <laughs> Uh, I'll watch basketball. I mean, uh, and and I gotta say, 
I've watched those KBO that I'm watching baseball. And, you know, and these kids, they, the KBO guys seem like having a good time. I, you know, I, I see one or two directions going. If they go nuclear winter and, and don't play this year and then they, uh, they, they shut the players out next year for a new contract, have a shutout, I mean, a, a, a breakdown, uh, you're either going to see teams disappear, which I highly doubt because there's a lot of revenue you can borrow from, or the quick cash grab, which is expansion. I think you'd see four more teams. You see the same thing the NHL made a mistake over. I think that overexpand for a quick money injection because they could easily get a billion dollars, four billion dollars for four new teams spread among all the other teams. You know who, if we don't have baseball, uh, one thing that I think is going to have its time to shine is going to be the tournament the basketball tournament, uh, if you guys know what I'm talking about, where they just take, um, you know, 64 teams of like randomly compiled squads um, and they have them play, you know, single elimination basketball tournament. It's on ESPN. Um, it's going to happen this year from July 23rd through August 11th. And I think that is going to be massive for TV. I would, I, this is the first year I would definitely look forward to something like that. Um, and I, w- I would love to see that sort of thing. I thought you were going to yeah. say soccer is going to shine now. Premier League's coming back. I think, so- I think MLS soccer is, is coming currently back. shining. Yeah, soccer yeah, is currently but, shining. But in, in we know world. who's going to win the Premier League. I mean, why are we even going to the motions there? I mean, it's like they deserve it. Ernest, come on, they deserve it. Yes, as a Liverpool fan, they definitely deserve it. Also, they they have to come back in a way that apparently baseball doesn't. Soccer has to come back for their TV contracts. The TV contracts fund literally everything for soccer right now. Um, so they didn't have a choice. They had to come back uh, or they're, they're being threatened with lawsuits from. You know, we've, we've lived through a summer of no baseball in our lifetime. Oh, and it took, it took baseball five years, even with Cal. The attendance was down the five years after the strike in 95. Mm-hmm. And it destroyed a team that most likely won the World Series, the Montreal Expos. It destroyed that market. So which team is it most likely going to destroy? If we're out this year and next, which MLB team will be the most likely hurt? You know, you look at teams that are already financially teetering. Where are the Tampa Bay Rays? Tampa and Oakland. How are they even alive still? Tampa and Oakland. Hmm. Yeah, Oakland is, is, you know, they can't get a new, uh, both teams. I mean, Tampa's looking at playing a half season in Montreal and a half season in Tampa, but they can't do that to 2027 because they signed an ironclad lease when they came in in 97. And the idea that's just, I mean, it's ridiculous. It's either a plea to get a stadium in Montreal or a plea to get a new stadium in Tampa because the big problem with Tampa Bay is it's in St. Pete. And the majority of fans are in Tampa, and that's a good 45-minute ride. It's crazy. With traffic at 5 o'clock. I've, I've done that. I've lived through that. I mean, it's bumper-to-bumper traffic to get across the bay, and and the uh, it is a dreary place to watch a game. Never rains, but I think they're in trouble. There are some other teams that are highly levered, leveraged that may be in problems also. I mean, I, I don't think – I think the one thing about having a franchise is you can always borrow money. David may not remember that, but in 99, baseball tried to contract. And you look at the two teams that tried to contract, 
they're the most popular teams. They're high revenue teams now. That's the Brewers and the Twins. How about A Rod and J Lo buy the Rays and move them up to New York to put a third team in New York? <laughs> uh, no, they, they would move them to. Do you know Miami? Cor- yeah, Cor- Manfred Cor- actually blocked A Rod from putting a bid in for the Marlins. I've heard the Marlins former owners talk about this. That Manfred arranged ways for Jeter and his partner, who are underfinanced even at this date. Yeah. Uh, to get, I mean, that they've manipulated. Uh, Cuban wanted to bid for the Cubs, and they blocked him. He offered actually more money to ma- get the Cubs. They just didn't want someone young and innovative. Baseball is, you know, these guys in the upper floor smoking cigars. They don't want change. They don't want trend. And they want the same owners. Yeah, it's, it's baseball's got a long ways to go if they ever hope to to regain popularity, but I, I think there'll always be baseball, right? The ba- MLB yeah, will always be around. It's just it's a matter gonna, of the popularity. It's going to be like NASCAR. They're going to be like NASCAR is now. NASCAR learned the same lesson. Yeah. And uh, again, they're, they're, I think, the third oldest average viewer group. Baseball is in the 50s. Yeah. And again, you're seeing fewer, fewer little league teams and American Legion baseball has disappeared for traveling teams. We can't we can't fill our softball leagues in the area you, for summers because of these specialized teams. Kids mm-hmm. who used to play in the summer and we're losing a whole summer here. Yeah, I mean, kids, we're losing a whole summer, here, but it's becoming a specialized sport where you have family has to invest so much money, kind of like travel hockey. Yeah, and and I, I, you know, baseball and football is easy. Shoot basketball by yourself and you get a couple guys play touch football in the front yard. That's a so- soccer is the same way. I think that's why soccer yeah, is really soccer. gonna grow in, exponentially here. Um David's right. case, you can get an old 50-year-old man play quarterback for both sides inside that's joke. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> Outside yeah, pretty joke. good guy. Chris Chandelier over there. Um <laughs> so, uh, or, or who what Kerry Collins. Was it Kerry Collins, the quarterback? Uh, that the was the Carolina Panthers. Yeah. I used to play Inside for our listeners, I used to quarterback for a group of youth in our neighborhood when David lived there, and I quarterback for both teams. <laughs> yes, rocket arm, rocket arm. I, I was I was the Pete Carroll of the nineties. I would get Pete, at least Pete Carroll least, does that with the Seahawks in their scrimmages. He quarterbacks for both teams. I would get at least three safety passes per uh, per game, at, le- at least three. Um, all right, guys, let's let's move forward here and start wrapping things up. I think it's been a good discussion tonight. Uh, Dad, is there any uh, other topics you would like to touch on or any closing thoughts you might have here as we wrap things up? Yeah, um, you know, sports, we were, you know, hitting baseball pretty hard there. And sports, you know, if you get philosophical, plays, I think, a really important role in our society. I mean, it's a way for people to get excited, to have teams to root for. But at the end of the whole thing, you know, we're like, hey, that was great. We're glad we did it. That was fun. There's a way to, you know, outlet. And we need those outlets right now. And I was at work. They've been talking about that after COVID, you have a time where people wear out and have a letdown. You know, you you all step up to play. Nurses, healthcare people are heroic. They, they take care of, they do, go above and beyond to get things done. And when things ease off and they start looking better, you think, oh, everybody's happier. Well, what happens is all that stress catches up to the healthcare worker or the people who had to be heroic, and then they get sad and depressed and worn out. 
and they need extra care and extra help. So even though as the country starts to open up, I think we need to recognize there's a bunch of people out there that went way above and beyond, like even, uh, not even, but people who work at grocery stores or truck drivers, they're going to need some extra encouragement right now. And sports can provide that. And the fun of sports can provide that. So whatever sports pulls it out and has fun with it, I think we're ready. And maybe maybe we'll have an explosion of fancy uh, football and baseball and all sorts of – because we're so ready to get into it. But I guess that's sort of my last two minutes is that if you know somebody who did something heroic to make sure that we made it through the worst of COVID, just call them, touch base with them. See how they're doing. Just don't assume they're doing great because it's getting better. That's right. I like that. I totally agree. Ernest, got anything? Uh, this is a little quick personal story. Uh, I'd like to celebrate the life of a young man who passed away at 47 years old. His name was Jason Norton. And I met him when he was playing for the local high school team. I was doing TV and radio. And he, he you could see that his qualities then. I mean, he was a young man that was mature beyond years. And he went on to uh, be All-American Division II kicker. Actually played in the All-Star game, college All-Star game. And he would keep in touch with me, which was highly unusual. Uh, a few years later, my youngest son uh, was cut from the JV team in his junior high school. The pitcher who had a, uh, the coach who had a personal grudge against me was a referee in a league that I coached, uh, took it out on my son and basically told my son that he had no arm and he could not throw and he wasn't a baseball player. Well, Jason uh, did not know that it was my son, but he called my wife and asked if my son could be uh, added to the varsity squad. And not only that, he started him in the next game. And not only did he pitch a complete game, he pitched a shutout. And that was a crucial moment for my son and his confidence because he was devastated when he was cut. And he was at a point in his life where you just didn't know what direction he would go in. And Jason coached him in JV basketball at high school and, and basketball and, and baseball and football. He played all three varsity sports. He was actually the athlete of the year his senior year. He is now a successful CPA in another town. But this act of uh, support and the ability to look out for a kid and know what to do for him at the right moment and have confidence in him, people do this all the time. This affected my life. And luckily, my son, both my sons, were touched by this young man who left us way too early. But the little acts we do, all of us, we don't know, like ripples in a pond, the effect it has for the rest of their life, the, the ability to, to give them the confidence to reach their potential, to them in turn to do the same thing for someone else. It's a branch effect. So uh, yeah, again, it's a celebration of a young man that was, was resolute until the end. He was an example for everybody. And he has uh, three sons of his own. One is a graduate, played for Air Force Academy. Both are serving in the Air Force right now. But he was, he was one of the best men I have ever met. And mm. I will miss him and uh, look forward to the day when I can greet him again. That's a great story, Ernest. And also, uh, so the thought of someone saying that Justin couldn't throw uh, in baseball sounds pretty absurd from someone who uh, had their hands toasted by by anything he threw at me, which he threw a lot of things at me. 
over the course of uh, our friendship. Well, it's it's up. petty adult rivalry. Sometimes <laughs> adults, yes, 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 take it out on children, and that's what this particular gentleman did. Who, luckily, the next year was removed from the school system. Well, it was a great story about about uh, Mr. Norton, Joseph Norton. You said uh, Jason, Jason Norton, and that's very tragic and sad. Uh, but awesome, you get the chance to honor him. Uh, so with that, guys, you're ready to wrap things up. Um, this has been part of the confusion, uh, although we're getting a lot of clarity tonight. We've got a lot of good clarity, a lot of good discussion and conversation. Uh, so Dad, Paul Arnold, Ernest Watts, myself, David Arnold, uh, for all of us, have a good night, guys. <laughs>